Love Talk Radio. You did one hell of a job, and only thing else I got to say is, how about this now, Good evening and welcome to Attitude Era Live, Monday Live Time. And we are here on 89.1 Kansas FM. And if you can hear that sound, that means only one thing. The icon is back rocking your ears and your mind with his friends today. And uh, one of my friends is here, I do believe. And uh, is that you or is this your mic right here? Zing in. All right. Ped Zing reporting live from FM 89.1 FM. All right. Ped Zing is in the house, and we are going to have some fun here tonight. The crowd is wild. And we're waiting for the modern nightmare Matthias. And uh, I don't know why. He, he did tell me that he was going to be late, but I'm sure that he will be here uh, soon, if not quicker. He's trying not to intimidate me so early in the show on my second appearance. All right. One second here. All right, and we are we are going to have a great show tonight. As a matter of fact, it's going to be very productive. As a matter of fact, uh, we have uh, three guests tonight. As always, our guests tonight. Let's go over those. We are going to have uh, James Edwards as our first guest. He is a actor. He's a director. He's a writer, and he's a producer. And he's going to tell us about a lot of the stuff that uh, he has done, especially like Russell Massacre. I can't wait to talk about that. Uh, we're going to have uh, Lef, uh, Leslie Hoffman as a guest. We're going to have Leslie Hoffman as a guest here, and uh, she's a tricky. She's been on every single. Uh, she has been on every single incarnation of Star Trek, so she can talk to us about that. Sweet. And our final guest will be Michael uh, Peterson. And uh, he's also a actor slash director slash writer, so he's going to talk to us about that. And I do believe that Matthias is now here. Yep, I'm ready for another show on 89.1 Ken's FM. And I'm trying to figure out why our mics are, why my mic oh, sounds so bad. My my headphones are really really loud. Are they? And they're feeding back. I think into the mic. Is that better? Sounds better. All right. Thank you. Cool. So, anyway, let's catch up with uh, what everybody's doing. Uh, yeah, hi, guys. Uh, Matthias, what are you up to? You know, just uh, rehabbing the knee and uh, getting ready for uh, my in-ring return and stuff like that. Just doing that, working hard, and all that kind of good stuff, you know? Do you have a set date yet? Uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, this Saturday I go back to APW, um, where I will take on Devil and Kane for the APW championship that I lost to him uh, back in May. So I'm just uh, hoping that I will come back to Fargo, North Dakota with the title wrapped around my waist again. And will you bring that to the studio with you? If I, if I were to win it, um, yeah, I should be able to bring it uh, on Monday because when I asked him I had it, he let me keep it. So we'll see. All right. Hey, by the way, guys, how do I sound to you guys? Do I sound muffled or anything like that? You guys sound pretty good. Well, his his uh, his mic right now is like normalized. Where like you sound like you're a like, really distance away. Oh, really? Is that better? Yours is a little better. Mine's a little better. It's just getting louder. It's, it seems like we're in a we're not. It doesn't seem like our mics are really close to our mouth right now for some reason. Yeah, I I, I had, 
Yeah, well, your sounds good. I don't. I, yeah. Well, well, we'll just we'll just fight through it. So, Ted Zing, welcome back to the show. We missed you last week. So, Thank you. Why don't you uh, catch us up about uh, some of the doings that you've been involved with? So, uh, as I announced uh, my first appearance on the show, uh, I am the world's premier and preeminent uh, radio mime. So I've been touring uh, radio stations across the world, uh, radio miming, of course. Um, I do have a big announcement today. I'm, I'm uh, going to debut uh, maybe maybe next week uh, uh, my radio trick roping. So I've been working on a trick roping routine for the radio here. People are going to really love this at home. And then and Matthias, Matthias, you can grade that. <laughs> all right. <laughs> but hey, I'll tell you what. Up. It's going <laughs> to have all of us uh, back here. Uh, our first guest will be calling in in about, well, about 10 minutes. Let's catch everybody up with what the icon is doing. As I mentioned last week, my other job recently promoted me, so I congratulations. Have, uh, yeah, and it's uh, I, I can't I, I can't discuss it on the air because they're not an advertiser. However, I will be making, like I say, a little more money, so I'll be able to continue to fund the show as we move on here. And the other thing that uh, we could talk about, Matthias, our team. Our, our Vikings were unsuccessful again this last weekend. Yeah, they definitely were unsuccessful yet again. Remember last time the Vikings started 0-2? No, I cannot. <laughs> 2008. Ouch. Oh, all right. Well, hopefully we can turn that back around. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what. If you, were, I don't know if you remember that season, but uh, Tavares Jackson was our starting quarterback. Yep. And he got hurt, and then Gus Roth led us to an 8-3 and record. Okay. And then Tavares Jackson came back, and they decided to go with him instead of Gus Raw, which was a bad move because we lost to Philadelphia. Yep. So, and Mike Price was the coach. No, uh, what Childress was the coach at the Brad Childress. Yep. And of course, then the next year we got the last home game. He got booed out of the stadium. Yeah, and that well, then the next year we got Brett Barb, and things looked up until. <laughs> Uh, until we played the Saints in the playoffs, but we're not going to rehash that again because we all know what happened there. Anywho, so you're rehabbing, and you think this is going to be – I know we talked touched a little bit on last week, so you think this is going to be something that, uh, well, is a rushing turn you'll be able to kick out of, or are you optimistic, or are you still waiting to see what might happen? Well, honestly, um, ever since the injury back in May, um, not only is it taking a physical toll, but it's also taking a really bad mental toll. Um, I have been really out of my headspace, especially wrestling-wise, for the past six months. Ever since the injury, I mean, I've had permanently, I've had permanently unstable kneecaps for the past three years going on now. Uh, ever since August of 2020, when I initially injured both my knees. Um, but other than that, it's just they've been all right working. Well, though, this one, this severe injury has really taken a toll on me mentally with all the exercising I've had to been doing. And I really, I can't even jog. I can't run. I can't do anything still because every time I try, my, uh, my knee locks up. It seems like it locks up and then I've got to take a weird step to try to continue my jog. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to kick out of it. Um, if it just, doesn't improve 100% to the point where I could start jogging and start running the ropes like normal and stuff, and I'm just going to have to uh, uh, bite the bullet and do the surgery. And then if, uh, if I, because I want to be able to run and jog and stuff with my kids and stuff in the future. And if, uh, you know, if it doesn't work out that way, then I'll do the surgery. And then that 
might spell the end of my career, but I'm hoping to, you know, it'll kind of just work itself out with all the exercise I'm doing and I can be able to go back to 100% as soon as possible. But right now I'm just test driving it and, I mean, it's a big match. I'm looking forward to getting my title back and when I do that, then I will continue to work hard to continue to stay on the mountaintop. And this is obvious, of course. You want to be able to do both. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If you if you were to give it a percentage of success in healing, what percentage would you give it right now? Right now, I would say the knee. I mean, I when I first started, I couldn't even do five pounds uh, solo on the leg extension. Now I can do roughly around 30 to 35 on it solo, uh, but that is kind of a struggle still. So. Right now, I'm I'm honestly back up. I think it is uh, 700% uh, in strength compared to you know I went from five to 35, so I'm back to ten, seven times the strength right now. Um, so I would say probably roughly around the strength-wise, it's a good 75, 70, 75, maybe 80% strength is back. But now it's just to work on that muscle to keep the kneecap in place, and i got to do specific exercises for that to keep that tone. And if that works out, then my kneecap will stay in place, and I won't have to wrap my knee, but I'll still wear my braces every day. And when I go out to the ring, I'll still wrap my knee just so I'm making 100% absolutely sure that it'll stay in place. And then, you know, I mean, maybe one day I'll give it a test without, but I highly doubt it because once you, once you injure yourself like that or you severely injure your knee or your back or – your arm or whatever, you, you, you still take precautionary measures to make absolutely sure that it won't happen again. And also remember this, Stone Cold Steve Austin made leg braces a fashion statement in the ring. Exactly. It worked out pretty good for him, and no one ever thought less of him. Absolutely. Uh, of course, I don't think anybody would want to uh, mess with him anyway, uh, and I guess you're the same way. Yeah, I mean... I've done a lot of uh, things in the ring that have uh, made people want to stay away from me. Like I've used a staple gun. <laughs> I've done cheese graters, thumbtacks, barbed wire, Legos. Legos, steel chairs, Excellent. ladders, canes. I've used I've used a lot of things to make myself bleed and give me welts and stuff like that. I'm not afraid to take any of that. Whereas a lot of people are like, nope, don't want to take the risk. But I'll happily take the risk to. Uh, to get the fans what they need to, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a people person. I'm the salt of the earth champion like I always am, and, and you know, I may hate the people, but, you know, I don't get paid unless I please the people. I figure North Dakota's number one heel. Absolutely. I sure am. But, I mean, I am the people pleaser. I have to be the people pleaser or else I don't get paid, and I need my money. Roger that. And I think, uh, have you ever used, uh, Matthias, have you ever used uh, uh, Ped Zane's favorite weapon, the soup spoon? <laughs> I like the wooden spoon, actually. I've, I've yeah. gone to the wooden spoon now. I mean, that that has not really ever been brought up, but, I mean, I went through, like, wooden doors, <laughs> and we could use those technically if, if we needed to, but, no, I've never really done a spoon during one of my matches. I hope we don't resort to the wooden doors in a, in a radio cage match. You know, you know, Ped, I, I, I've always thought of you as... I'm a radio uh, mind, not a fighter. Well, yeah, I know, but I've always, you know, I always thought that uh, for as long as I've known you, I always thought that you, with with uh, your talking skills, I always thought that you would be a great uh, manager for a wrestler. I can see that. I can definitely see that. What, what do you what do you what do you think, Matthias? Would uh, he uh, be a good manager for you? 
Well, I mean, after my previous uh, history with managers, uh, be it Sylvester J. Fox and stuff like that, and how well that ended, I think I'm going to stick around and be my own man for a while. Yeah, I like where that's going. I mean, <laughs> I mean I've known that I, I'm one of the best talkers out there uh, in, got the skills. in pro wrestling right now. Um, I'm one of the most hated talkers because I tell the truth and people don't like the truth. So right now I'm gonna stick uh, I'm gonna stick to myself here in North Dakota, but right now in Wisconsin I do have uh, my fellow King Investments LLC members. So if, uh, if ever a manager position were to open up in the great state of Wisconsin after I become APW World Champion again, uh, we'll be in uh, we'll be in chat. Excellent. Well, you know I uh, I I have plans on getting into the ring, and there's one gentleman that I would like to have, uh, face me, and his initials are VR. If you smell what Icon is cooking, do you know who I'm referring to, Matthias? Yep, I'm very well aware. We've talked about this multiple weeks. <laughs> right. I gotta see this. Well, hey, I'll tell you what. Uh, he he is a former world champion, and he claims to be a writer. And he's not really a writer. He's not really a promoter, but he likes to put stuff on poles. Like, what, what, what was it, Pinata on a pole match, uh, Judy Bangler on a pole match, yep. uh, Viagra on a pole match. Uh, what, what are you trying to say, bro? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he knows exactly what I'm talking about. I, uh, Matthias, I actually had him listen to our competition. And uh, how many times did he say he used the word bro in, that, in a short amount of time? Probably 180 times per minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and it got to be pretty annoying, didn't it? Yeah, it was like uh, all his punctuation was bros. <laughs> Began sentences, interjected in the middle of sentences, uh, you know, ended sentences with bro. It was all bro to me. Yeah, can you imagine what it was like uh, having him write a, a a term paper? Instead of having a period, he'd end up with bro. I can imagine him, bro. Yeah, the quick broad box jumped over lazy dog, bro. <laughs> so I'm worried about listening to that, that guy too much, you know, and it might be infectious where we can't stop saying bro, you know what I mean? So well, I'm, I'm wary of that. Well, I'm let's wary. hope not. Anyway, we got about a minute before our first guest calls yeah, in, and it's going to be out of the shoot, James L. Edwards. And he, like I said, he's done a few wrestling projects. Uh, as a matter of fact, I do believe he's on the line right now. So we need to take a quick little commercial break. We'll be back after these messages with our first guest. So stick with us and don't be late. So if your spring and summer projects include some concrete work, Elevated Concrete can help. They can be reached at 701-866-9018 or at Elevated Concrete on Facebook. Their concrete work includes driveways, sidewalks, walkways, approaches, garage floors, patios, and shed pads. Plus, they offer decorative or stamped concrete as well. And all estimates are free. They are ready right now for any concrete project you have. That's Elevated Concrete at 701-866-9018. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, he is our first guest. And he's going to tell us all about a lot of stuff like Tribule. Her name was Krista. And he's going to tell us about some of the wrestling projects that he's produced. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome him right now. Stepping out, he is James L. Edwards. <laughs> hey there, this is James L. Edwards, and you're listening to the Attitude Era Monday, live Monday on 89.1 K 
Ken's FM with your host, the icon, and Ped Zing. Also with uh, the big swing and the modern nightmare, Matthias. Well, welcome aboard. How are you, sir? Real good. How you doing? Good. Well, here's how we're going to do this. We're going to have a little fun with the interview, and uh, while well, we got uh, while well, we got about 30 minutes here with you, so we're going to have some fun. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a few questions. Then we'll do a roundtable. We'll come back to me. We'll ask you difficult questions. But first off, we want to give a little background about yourself. Absolutely. Um, let's see. I started out uh, around 1985 as an actor uh, in uh, low-budget horror films. Uh, uh, mostly uh, The Dead Next Door, uh, Robot Ninja, Ozone. And around the 90s, I started uh, getting more production involved. So I became a screenwriter, um, ended up writing uh, uh, screenplays for the films uh, Psycho Sisters, Polymorph, um, and then in, I believe it was 2020, I released my directorial debut, which was, uh, her name was Krista, which the best way I can describe that is, it's basically the notebook for necrophiles. It's the most romantic necrophile film you'll ever see. And then we followed that up with uh, um, a horror anthology called Brimstone Incorporated. And we're in the process of finishing up our third film now, Trivial. And, you know, uh, and when uh, we get to him, uh, Ped Zing loves the movie about Krista. And he's going to ask you a few things about that. But one thing I do want to ask you about, one project that me and Matthias really enjoyed, because we had uh, Richie uh, Acevedo as a guest on our show here a while back, and uh, Russell, Russell Massacre. What was that like doing that? That was actually a lot of fun, because uh, that was directed by Brad Twig, uh, who uh, I've worked with several times. And it was one of those where... I love the concept. I love the fact that uh, a lot of my favorite wrestlers growing up as a kid were being featured in the film, and I was so happy to be a part of it. And it was funny because that was shot around the same time as we were doing Krista. So what, uh, what was it? Uh, that We were doing pickup shots on Krista. So in, in that day, I shot three different movies. I started the day shooting Krista, then I did my uh, cameo for uh, Brad for Russell Masker as the uh, televangelist. And then I ended up doing a, uh, a short project where I played a clown for uh, uh, a director of photography friend of mine. So it was a busy day, but it was definitely worth it. So I guess my question is, when you were on set with uh, Krista and then you went to Russell Masker, did you, uh, when, when it came to saying your lines, did you accidentally say a line from Krista? I, I, you know what? I've been very fortunate that I'm I'm usually good about uh, line memorization, so so that didn't happen. But the nice thing about that particular performance is because we shot it in an auditorium, uh, I very rarely get the chance to use cue cards, but uh, but we did have those scattered throughout the auditorium, so that helped a bit. That's awesome. And uh, we we uh, we have a lot of time here. Like I said, we got about 25 minutes here. James L. Edwards is our guest. I'm going to introduce our first uh, co-host. His name is Ped Zing, and uh, as you as you know, if you uh, if you go to any school, uh, you'll see the sign that says Ped Zing. That's how he got his name. But he wants to talk about his favorite movie of yours. Uh, her name is Krista. So go ahead, Ped Zing. What do you got? Hey, how's it going, James? Real good. How you doing, Ped Zing? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Uh, the, um, yeah, I just saw. I watched. Uh, 
almost all of it to death, so I haven't tied, I haven't gotten through the cliffhanger of the ending yet. So and I don't I don't want to yeah, give yeah. any spoilers away. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I love the mood. I love the lighting. I love the acting. Uh, like the oh, premise. Like like where it's going. Um, yeah, and excellent. Even the even the font of the opening, the main title sequence. Uh, that's a cool font. Do you know what font that was, by the way? Just I'll be honest with you. I'm so technically inept. I let my editor handle all that. Yeah, I, I tell yeah, him I, what I'm looking. I, I, yeah. Out of curiosity. I let. Yeah. I tell him what I'm, I'm looking here, for, the and then I complain three times until it gets right. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it was perfect. I love it. Um, very good. Very nice font. Nice font. Um, oh, thank and, you. Uh, how did you How did you select the opening theme? I really I really enjoyed the music in, in the movie. Um, the and it, the opening theme is awesome. Oh, thank you. Then, yeah, that was um, my composer, uh, Matthew Sturgeon. He was uh, he was a local artist. I still work with him to this day, actually. I'm, at one time, years ago, I used to manage a uh, CD and uh, DVD store in Ohio, and he sure. uh, had a local band, and I really enjoyed their music. Uh, they, uh, they, were, uh, they went by uh, 20 Go to 10, and okay. I, it was one of those where I reached when we were making Krista, I reached out to him to see if he'd be interested in doing the soundtrack. And he just did an absolutely incredible job. And I've used him ever since. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Good partnership. And I really like that mm. song, uh, Dick by Endoria, in the, on the soundtrack, too. That, oh, yeah. Really yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've been very fortunate. Uh, the lead singer of Endoria uh, was. Um, is uh, Douglas Esper, and uh, he. I was introduced to him by Drew Fortier, who uh, plays Nick in Krista, yeah. and um, I've been fortunate to uh, have him act in a couple of movies as well, which is nice. Excellent. That's a little synergy there. Mm-hmm. Well, we... Yeah, we have uh, James uh, James Edwards, I guess, here on 89.1 Kids. Yeah, man, we got about the 25 minutes. Now, I want to introduce you to uh, the modern Nightmare Matthias. Now, he's got a couple favorite movies of yours as well. Uh, he likes uh, the movie Chick Boxer, and he also likes MILF versus Zombies. Of course, MILF stands for Man, I Love Football. So, uh, Matthias, what do you got? Go ahead. Well, yes, you are talking to the man from every woman's greatest dream and every man's worst nightmare, North Dakota's number one heel, current reigning, defending, undisputed NSE World Tag Team Champion, and soon on Saturday once again to be APW World WA Champion, BZW Champion, APW World Tag Team Champion, and NSE World Heavyweight Champion, Matthias. Paid for by the New World Order. And and honorary member of the New World Order, Matthias. Welcome out of my part of the program. Uh, my main question, I suppose, to you would be, um, as a fellow uh, filmmaker and stuff like that and director and producer and all this kind of stuff, uh, would you say you prefer being in front of the camera, being able to act and, and portray somebody that you're not, or do you like to be kind of more in control of the uh, project that you're doing behind the scenes, whether directing, producing, writing, all that kind of stuff? I have to be honest with you. My true love's always been acting. Um, I, in fact, in a lot of ways, I always considered myself kind of a uh, uh, kind of a hoax as a director because the only reason I direct is because I'm an egomaniac. I mean, literally, it's one of those where I want my films done a certain way. I want my screenplays to be done a certain way, and I personally would like to play certain characters. That I mean, I'm always thankful for the the roles that I get. But there are certain roles that I really, really would like to play, and what better way to do that than to write and direct your own film? So that's, I mean, 
honestly, directing, I, I enjoy it. And don't get me wrong, I, I've had a lot of fun with it, but it's always been one of those a means to an end kind of thing. Because, well, Matthias, then we have something to common with you, an ego, and he likes to tell people what to do. I mean, yeah. I normally do that. I don't have to think about it. I just, I'll do it regardless, whether I'm at work or whether I'm in the ring or, you know, whatever. I'll do it. Uh, nice. James L. Edwards is our guest here, and uh, we're on 89.1 Ken's FM. we got about uh, 21 minutes here with our buddy here. Now, I want to ask you about one of your upcoming products. Now, you mentioned uh, Trivial. Uh, mm-hmm. Is that in production right now? Are you almost finished with it, or where are you at with that one? We actually were in an, an unfortunate situation where uh, that movie has been in post-production hell for a little while. Uh, it was supposed to be an easy project, to be perfectly honest with you. It was one of those where... The whole idea is one location, minimal actors. It just was supposed to be a piece of cake, and it just kind of continued to build from there. The basic premise is that uh, five people are kidnapped and basically forced, uh, uh, forced by a psychotic woman to play a televised uh, trivia game show. And if they get the answers right, they advance to the next level. If they get them wrong, horrible things happen. And now the good news is that I just actually this week got the official rough cut of the film, and I'm very happy with it, but I want to trim it down. So we're in the process right now of finishing the movie. So my goal, and it might be unrealistic, but my goal is still to have it out by the end of the year, but it might, if not, it might be spring. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, we got, we got to tell, uh, tell everybody the real reason what caused the delay, James, is because I was unavailable to play the game show host, and I do apologize that I set the production back that long. That's quite all right. You know what, that, that, was, that was a tremendous loss to the production, but, but we still we <laughs> persevered, so that was the important thing. And uh, the way I understand it is uh, you have a, another movie call, coming out called Big Trouble in Jack Behind Flats. We, of course, we kind of have to uh, we have to kind of uh, be uh, on the language, but you know Jack something uh, H uh, right uh, A whatever. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I think you may have a part for me in that as a guy that gets kicked and killed. I think. There we go. Okay, okay yeah. I mean, that actually, I, I just came aboard as an actor for a, uh, uh, a friend of mine. Fantastic, uh, fantastic director, great crew. Um, so, and from what I understand, the movie is just about done. It's, uh, it's a Western comedy, and, and I love doing things that I'm not, mostly I'm known in the horror, in, uh, the horror industry, so getting the chance to kind of step outside of that genre, I'm, I'm always for and if I'm not mistaken, you also have another movie uh, in pre-production right now, Supernatural Assassins? Um, honestly, that sadly is kind of in limbo. I, I'm not sure what's going on with that. I was um, uh, Jonathan Moody, who co-wrote one of the stories on uh, Side Effects, or sorry, on um, Brimstone Incorporated, our horror anthology, had contacted me. It's a very big project. There's a, there's a ton of indie horror actors that are included in it. But the movie's kind of laid dormant for the last probably six months, so I'm unfortunately I have no updates on that whatsoever. Is it because of the strike, or is it just because? Yeah, just because. Yeah, I, it's it's one of those things that, unfortunately, making an independent film on this level, <clears throat> there are a ton of uh, speed bumps. So, it, and unfortunately, it's looking like uh, at this point in time, I'm not saying it won't ever get done. I, th- I do have faith that it'll get made, 
But I think at this point, it's just kind of in limbo. Hey, James, I have a question for you. What yeah. can you this is, this is Ted Zing, uh, the world's premier and preeminent uh, radio mime and uh, soon to be uh, Trick Roper. Uh, so stand by for that maybe later in the show. <laughs> um, I'm just curious, um, can you tell me that's my life. All right, what can you tell me about Robot Chicken? Or not Robot Chicken, Robot Ninja, I'm sorry. Robot Ninja was a movie that I did in 89. It was actually my first speaking role in a film. And it uh, it had performances by uh, Linnea Quigley from Return of the Living Dead and Burt Ward, uh, Robin, from the old 60s Batman TV series. And it's funny because when that thing came out, it was universally hated. Just absolutely. And now... Uh, for some, nostalgia is an amazing thing because now all of a sudden people love that thing. So I, 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 I still, I'll be honest with you. Yeah, I still, uh, I still lean towards the original thought process, but I think it's awful. But if, if people are enjoying it, that's all that matters. <laughs> for sure. I, I mean, yeah, on any level, you know, and multiple levels, of course. And you also have another. You also have another movie coming up that I, I believe you named it after Matthias's injury, uh, called Side Effects May Vary. Side effects may vary. I'm very excited about that. Actually, um, uh, J.R. Bookwalter was an independent director that mostly worked in the um, uh, the 80s and 90s, who uh, had done The Dead Next Door, um, uh, Ozone, Polymorph. He, he was, um, and he ended up going to Full Moon Pictures, who did the Puppet Master films, and then decided to work mostly as a distributor rather than a filmmaker. Well, J.R. had come to me, uh, he's, he's been one of my sub-distributors for uh, my movies for a while, and he had come to me and, sa- uh, and basically said, look, I'm thinking about getting back into this as a director. It will be the first time I've made a film in 23 years. And he's like, I'd like you involved. I'm like, anything you need, I'm there. You know? So I ended up writing the screenplay for him. I played a lead, and I produced the film. And uh, the film is just, I believe we just, finished it. I think the soundtrack was just put to it, and they're just putting the finishing touches. At least it better be, because I'm already, uh, as a producer, I'm already scheduling the uh, the cast and crew uh, premiere uh, on the 14th of next month, so, so it better be done. But but no, I've seen the rough cut, and it's, I, I'm really, really, the best way I can describe it is it's kind of an updated version of, um, uh, or, or actually more of a tongue-in-cheek, goofier version of uh, The Incredible Melting Man, the movie from the uh, late 70s, early 80s? Well, you know, one a good way to tell, James, if uh, if the movie's ready to go, if you get the check in the mail and you cash it and it clears, then the movie's done. If you cash oh, yeah. the check that, uh, in the it's not completed yet. It's not ready. <laughs> I am a tremendous fan of extending my hand and accepting a check. Trust me, I have no problem with that. <laughs> so, so you're not like uh, James Bond in uh, uh, in the movie Octopus. He says, uh, "I prefer cash." <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what? Ca- uh, cash, whatever you got, I'm I'm all for it. <laughs> Chuck E. Cheese tokens. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, yeah, hey, no, wait, that's where we get paid in. No, we're, we're cheap. That's, okay. yeah. that's where we get paid in. Uh, uh, it's in my contract. You can't take it from me. Uh, James, L., <laughs> James L. Edwards is our guest here on 89.1 Kansas FM, and we got about, uh, uh, well, we got about uh, 15 minutes here with our buddy. So now, what other projects do you have 
of course, we get a lot of our information from IMDb. Uh, there's a few things of I'm sure that uh, you you might be working on or have ideas for that aren't listed. So would you be able to let us into uh, the mind of Mr. Edwards on what uh, how many products you have that you want to do over the next, uh, say, two years or three years? Absolutely. Um, to be perfectly honest with you, I am – Actually, it's not even I'm considering. I'm doing it. I am going to be taking a break from horror. I love the genre. Don't get me wrong. It's just I I, I absolutely love the genre. I just want to try something different. So my idea is, of course, it still has to be violent and it has to be weird. So my idea is, you know, the old uh, uh, do you remember the old like Cajun Justice type movies with Burt Reynolds? Like, say, uh, uh, what is it? White Lightning and Gator. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I want to I, I do a version of uh, of a uh, Burt Reynolds film that was that basically seems like it was directed by David Lynch. So oh, I, I want uh, it's going to be completely bizarre and out there, and incredibly <laughs> violent. I like and it. the idea, uh, what what basically what started that idea was um, again, I, I just was I just wanted to set, take a step away from horror is what it comes down to, and. What ended up coming out of that was a screenplay that I'm working on called Lynch Mob. And the basic storyline is that a, uh, a, re- uh, a recently paroled convict who spent the last 12 years of his life in jail because of a bank robbery is meeting up with his former partner to get his portion of the cash. Well, when he meets up with him, he discovers that his partner has taken the cash and basically formed a cult with it. He's basically like a Jonestown-type compound, and now that he's shown up, he's basically saying, well, the money's already spent, and you can't leave here because if you do, people are going to know where we are, so you're either staying here or we have to kill you. And it's basically uh-huh. his uh-huh. – uh, yeah, his, uh, it's basically now he's got to figure out a way to basically not only get his money back but also get even. So, so that's what we're working on right now. And what is your time frame? When do you want to start that? And do you have a location where picked out where you might want to film at? And, and when, uh, when do we start? And can we come work for you? You guys are, uh, I mean, trust me, this is going to be one of my biggest productions. So you guys are more than welcome to come out. Um, the goal is I, sh- I shoot all of my movies in Ohio. It's just that's my hometown. I love the place. I like the locations. Um, but the, the real holdback at this point is I'm not willing to – uh, start or break ground on Lynch Mob until Trivial is in the hands of the people that uh, that want to see it. So sure. I, nothing irritates me more than when because uh, a lot of these are. I mean, two of the, two out of the three of my directorial efforts were either funded or partially funded through Indiegogo. And personally, nothing angers me more than when a filmmaker runs an Indiegogo. And then is like, oh, well, that one's on hold, but I have another movie that I want to do. It's like, no, finish what you started first, and then, and then we'll, we'll worry about the next one. And I wasn't willing to run an, an Indiegogo for um, uh, Lynch Mob until Trivial was finished. So, so my goal is, like I said, Trivial I'm hoping to have um, out by the end of the year or at the very latest by spring. And then that will decide when we run the Indiegogo for, uh, for Lynch Mob. Well, then I got, I got to ask you this then. If I say O-H, 
<laughs> I go. There you go, man. I, I'm a big punk guy. Uh, I, I would. That's why I want to come work with uh, work for you because I'm a big Buckeyes fan, and I definitely want to uh, come out and work with you. Uh, James Edwards is our guest here. For those of you who listen to our uh, show on a uh, regular basis, uh, if you go to our Facebook page, Attitude Era Monday Live Monday, like that. Go to Ken's FM page, 89.1 FM, like that. Do a ten dollar month donation to the Power of the Tower. We'll get you automatically qualified to win a autograph picture from a past guest, current guest, future guest. Now. I do believe that you have sent us a few. Did you, uh, did you not, James? Oh, you caught it there. What was that? I believe that uh, you were in the process or you already have sent us some autographs for our giveaways for our fans that are listening right now. Yes, I did. Yeah, you guys should have received uh, nine signed posters, uh, one of them to, uh, specifically for you guys and then another eight for your listeners. So you should have hey, two different don't, signs. Don't yank our of, chain here, James. Uh, what's that? So don't, don't yank our chain here, James. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, thank you very much. We appreciate no everything. Problem. Oh, no problem. Just, yeah, like I said, you have, for your pleasure. Oh, definitely. You should uh, you should have two different styles of the crystal poster and one for brimstone. So uh, uh, enjoy them. <laughs> definitely. And, of course, uh, the reason, another reason why Matthias, myself, and Ben Singh want to come work for you, instead of you saying action, I always, you always say, let's do it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know how that ended up happening. Almost all of my earlier films, somehow that was snuck in as a line. So it just sort of snuck, uh, stuck. Um. Well, you know, it, it's kind of like it's kind of like a kind of like a trademark. Like I'll be back. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> now I was going to ask you. Now there was one role that you were asked to play that uh, it, it never came to fruition. Uh, you were going to do. Uh, starting to uh, think about Jeffrey Dahmer, and you were going to play like his first victim, uh, Stephen, or something like that? Yeah, what had happened was uh, around the same time of the trials, um, uh, uh, what was it? I was approached by a film company in uh, Arizona, if I'm not mistaken, and they were doing a Jeffrey Dahmer biopic, and they had asked me to play Stephen Hicks because at the time I was, uh, I was young enough to play him. And my issue with that, although I am fascinated by serial killers, my issue with that was the fact that the murder of Stephen Hicks literally happened like in my in my near my neighborhood. It was like 20 minutes away, and I figured, you know, it, it, out of respect to the family and just in a matter of bad taste, I, I don't think I should take this role. So I turned him down, and then years later. I'm working as a booth manager for Regal Cinemas. And one of the concessionists, a new, uh, new girl had started, and we got to talking about my movie career and whatnot. And uh, she's like, have you been in anything that I've ever seen? And I'm like, well, you've probably seen stuff that I, wa- that I turned down because I'm not, not right. And I brought up the Dahmer Project, and she turned white as a sheet. And I'm like, what's going on? And she's like, Stephen Hicks was my uncle. I would have ended wow. up playing her uncle in this movie. And then, oddly enough, we ended up getting married for 13 years. So, <laughs> so yeah, that, uh, I'm, I'm glad I didn't take the role because her family sure. already didn't like me. That, that wouldn't have helped. He um, chose wisely. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, another thing that you and I have in common, I know this is going to be scary for you. We have uh, J- uh, James uh, Edwards as our guest here. we got about uh, five minutes here with James. Uh, this, I'm sure this is going to be uh, kind of freaky out. I probably shouldn't mention it, but... Uh, you and I have a one thing in common. Uh, you and I both like wearing a black trench coat. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, for a long time, that's I wore those exclusively, and the Columbine kids basically messed that up for me. So now, now I'm not allowed to wear black trench coats anymore. So it's very aggravating. Well, you know what? Now, now I feel guilty because I, I wear mine to every football game. The I, I love them. I, I'm, I, I, well, now you know what? You, if you mix it up, you're okay. If you get like the Dr. Loomis and Halloween kind of can one, yeah, you're you're a lot safer. You'll you'll be fine. Yeah, well, see, the thing is, yeah, mine has no pockets, so. Okay, well, that uh, helps, too. James L. Edwards, I guess, here on 89.1 Kent FM. we got about five minutes here with our buddy here. Uh, so so we can do this so we don't forget. If our fans want to check out and see if you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok, what do you got? Oh, absolutely. You can find me on, uh, you can find me on Facebook at James L. Edwards. I think it's James L. Edwards 3, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, we're, we, you can find my company on Instagram uh, through Buffalora Entertainment Group. Also, all of my movies, whether I've directed them or just acted in them, for the most part can be found at makeflix.com. Um, and they're also available streaming on Amazon, Tubi, um, uh, YouTube, and uh, I, think, I think Vimeo still has them. I could be wrong on Vimeo, but, uh, but yeah. You know, and unfortunately, I heard that uh, Tubi's been down for a little bit tonight. Have you heard about that? Well, Tubi's restructuring. Yeah, they're basically, I think what happened, honestly, if you look at at Tubi's, uh, well, specifically um, uh, Film Hub's uh, uh, website, they have a section there that um, uh, says, uh, that's for insights, that kind of gives you an idea of what to expect as far as your, uh, uh, your grosses go. But they tell you point blank that it's a uh, it's just a, a rough estimate. Well, I think the people have, I think they probably got have been bombarded for years with people going, "Hey, you said I was going to make this, and I only made this." And it's like, well, it's an estimate. So I think they're finally doing away with that, and it'll probably hopefully cut their work down in half just with that. But yeah, it's supposed to be back up, if I'm not mistaken, in just a couple of days. And I think the other thing is they're, they're purging all my movie appearances from that uh, website as well. <laughs> Both time. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> I, I said they were, yeah, they were purging all my movie appearances uh, off of that website as well. All, all, all none of them. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, James L. Edwards is our guest here on eighty nine point one Kens FM, and we only got a few minutes left here. So uh, I'll tell you what, James. Uh, you know, I, you probably don't want me to mention this, but I, I can't help it. You, uh, you have a birthday coming up, uh, November 26th, so we want to wish you a happy early birthday. Happy birthday. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, uh, uh, get, getting older was not supposed to be in the cards for me. I'm, I'm still not used to it, but, uh, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> well, well, you know what they say, age is just a number, and I know that you're going to be turning, I believe it's 21 on the uh, 26th of November, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, absolutely, yeah, 21. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. A big milestone in a young director's career. <laughs> right. Well, I'll tell you what, James, you have been so awesome. I want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to uh, be with us. And uh, uh, people may not believe this, and people will be wondering why you did this, but I actually have your phone number, so I'm going to stay in contact with you. Uh, yeah, when you're ready to start the, your, that project, uh, uh, I'll load up the truck. We'll move to – well, we won't move to Beverly, but we'll uh, we'll swing out there to Ohio, and uh, we'll uh, – 
we'll help you on your project. And uh, uh, I can't speak for those guys. Uh, you can pay me. Wait, 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 wait. First, we have to find out if there's a Chuck E. Cheese in the near vicinity. There is. Okay. I, uh, you know what? I'm, if there's I'm not, in. I will build one. Let's put it that way. No problem. <laughs> Appreciate the effort. Well, how about a Sonic? Because if you, uh, if you if you take the word Sonic, you scramble letters and spell the icons. That's why I love that restaurant. Oh, so there much. we go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, James. Thank you so much for uh, being with us, taking time out of schedule. I'll stay in contact with you. You are awesome, and uh, we love everything you do, and we can't wait to work for you. Good Thank you so much, guys. It was fantastic. I was fantastic uh, talking to all of you, and uh, I look forward to uh, coming back. All right, we will definitely have you on again. Definitely. Thanks, thanks for making the show what it is. And, uh, just don't do Thank what the last, uh, the last director did. He fired us on the air. He called and said, you're fired. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Not even a fax. <laughs> oh, no. no. All right, James, <laughs> thanks, buddy. Take care. I got my tokens. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye, guys. Uh, all right. Bye. Uh, James L. Edwards, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, looks like our next guest, Wendy Wings. We're going to take a quick little time out. We'll be back after these messages. So stick with us after these messages. We'll be back. Ladies and gentlemen, the new clocks are here. The new clocks are here. Yes, for a limited time, you can get your very own 89.1 TENS FM clock. For a $25 donation, you can get a classic analog round-faced clock with the 89.1 TENS FM logo on the front. Just go to our website, www.kensfm.com, and under the More Merch tab, you will find the clocks along with numerous other new merch you can order. Get yours now while supplies last. We have these in limited quantity, so order now at www.kensfm.com. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle. She will definitely take a fall for any director as long as it's not painful. She is the greatest stunt woman in the history of Hollywood. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you our guest at this time. She is Leslie Hoffman. Hey, this is Leslie Hoffman. And you're listening to the Attitude Air Monday on 89.1 Ken's FM with your hosts, the Icon and Ped Zing, and also the modern nightmare Matthias and the Big Swing. Well, how are you, Leslie? Thanks for being with us tonight. How are you? I'm I'm doing good. I've it it's been uh, a rainy season in northern New York, but I'm I'm doing good. Well, I'll tell you what, we're glad that you're with us and I know that you have a a phone translator so you're reading what we're saying. So we will we will take the interview kinda of slow so that way you uh you can catch up to what we're what our thoughts are and our questions. Well, we're we're doing good right now. It, it it's coming through really clear and really quickly. So so hopefully we'll do good. All right. Well, we're going to ask you a lot about uh, your career and a lot of the stunts that you've done. And uh, basically, what we'll do is I'll ask you a few questions. We'll do a roundtable, and we'll come back to me. And I'll ask you the tougher questions. But first off, we'll have you give us a background about yourself. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, well. Um, I, from, 
like age three, four years old, I knew I was going to be an entertainer. I was, I was on the stage dancing. I was doing acrobatics. Uh, I thought I was going to be a, uh, an actress and uh, actually went to a couple of acting schools, but I actually found acting quite boring. Uh, then my older brother was at Caltech in, in uh, Pasadena, which is near Los Angeles, and the family came out for a visit, and we went to the Universal Studio tour and saw the Western Stunt Show. And here are these stuntmen that are running and jumping, and yet they're still talking. You know, they're acting, but they're being physical. And, and it was like the light bulb went on, and I said, that's what I want to be. I want to be a stuntwoman. So uh graduated high school, went out to Los Angeles, and in... About a year and a half, I got my union card, which is the Screen Actors Guild, and the first movie I was in was uh, Two Minute Warning. That's that's awesome. We have uh, Leslie Hoppins, our guest here on 89.1 Ken's FM. We got, uh, well, we got about uh, 28 minutes here with uh, Leslie. Now, one thing about being a stunt actress uh, the fact that all the different shows that she's been in, you guys listen to this list of shows she's been in. This is just to name a few. She's been in Columbo. She's been in Laverne and Shirley. She's been in the Hardy Boys, the Rockford Files, Fantasy Island, BJ and the Bear, uh, Airplane, uh, Resurrection, The Monster's Revenge, The Fall Guy, uh, Naked Gun, Naked Gun, Nike Show Ones, Protocol. Death Wish 3, Clue, uh, Remington Steel with Pierce Brosnan. Uh, she's been in Rakes to Riches, Falcon Crest, Alienation. Unbelievable. Deadly Games. Chips. Uh, chips, right. Step by Step. Uh, do you want me to stop or can I keep going? <laughs> hey, I have a better question. What aren't you in? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's impressive. Yeah, no, my... my time period, if you want to call it, was from the late 70s uh, to the very early 2000s, and actually uh, you left out uh, the the most memorable uh, shows. I was in Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, where I actually played the hall monitor. It was cheaper to hire me as an actress and have... uh, Heather, you know, run into me and knock me down to the floor, and and I go, where's your pass? And she goes, screw your pass. And then I'm Freddy Krueger with the claws on, and actually his voice is coming out of my mouth, and and he's saying, hey, Nancy, no running in the hallway, he, he, he. That is so um, awesome. A lot of well, a lot of people recognize me for that one. Although well, yeah, Matthias, I was in uh, Naked was Gun. About that one. Love Naked Gun. I love Naked Gun. I loved you, Naked Gun. Yeah, Naked what did, Gun. What did you do in Naked I Gun? I stunt doubled Queen Elizabeth, oh, and 
hand. Uh, I was Queen Elizabeth going down that, like, 40-foot-long banquet table with her legs up in the air. So, <laughs> oh, that was you. That's another scene everybody <laughs> remembers. How can we forget that? Well, uh, <laughs> nice work, by the way. Nice work. Yeah, we have uh, Les, uh, Leslie Hoppins, our guest here on 89.1 Kins FM, and uh, we got about uh, nine minutes before the top of the hour break, so uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna stay we're gonna stick with you as long as I can because our uh, I know I said it was gonna be thirty minutes, Leslie, and I hope you can stick with us because our our third guest might be late, so that would uh, if he is uh, give us a little more time to ask you a few questions. But uh, one thing that I know Pet Zing wants to ask you about because he is one of these Trekkie geek guys, and you know. Uh, had she has been in just about she's been in every yeah of star trek so go ahead Voyager. Uh, live actually, long and prosper with actually, your questions actually i want to call an audible here i want to ask you about bj mckay and his best friend there you know my brother we watched that show religiously we just loved that monkey can you tell us anything about your experience on that show inquiring minds want to know Whoops. okay wait a minute Oh, on BJ and the bear you're talking about? Yeah, yes. Yeah, that actually, that was quite funny. Um, extras sometimes are given extra money to bring their own car to the set. And the stunt that I had to do was jump at the chimpanzee, which his name was Bear, yeah. and he was holding on to a rifle. And, you know, that's why I was jumping at him, because I was trying to grab the rifle away from him. <laughs> Earlier that day, I had, I, I mean, I didn't mean to. I didn't know what was, I, I had put, I think, my hat down on top of this car hood, and this person just got out of sorts, you know, you don't put your hat down on my car, you know, this is my car, you don't do this. Anyways... We filmed the stunt, and we're right next to this car. When I jumped at the chimpanzee, it let go of the rifle, and the rifle hit the car. So I guess that's karma. (laughs) Yeah, right. Bear had your back on that one. (laughs) Yeah. Leslie's our guest here. We're on – Leslie Alvin's our guest here on 89.1 Kens FM. Now, uh, Matthias, now, she mentioned – probably one of your favorite movies that she's been a stunts coordinator in. I'll let you know when we got to do our top-of-the-hour break, but she was in Nightmare on Elm Street. Now, I know you got some questions about that. Well, I mean, um, I am a big fan of horror films, and Nightmare on Elm Street being uh, one of the uh, number one uh, noted slashers uh, in history of horror films and stuff like that, that was pretty awesome. I actually had no idea that you were in that film, and that's pretty cool because that's uh, one of the great parts to remember when uh, the first body is being dragged across the school, and, of course, uh, Nancy runs towards the body, hits you, and you say the voice, and you have the Freddy glove and, and stuff like that. That's pretty, uh, that's pretty great. Uh, but my main question to you would be, um, as I am a professional wrestler, I do my own stunts. I take my own falls. I... I do all this kind of uh, work and stuff like that. Uh, so I got to ask, was there a project that ever said, hey, can you do this for us, that you absolutely refused? Like you said, no, I can't, or I won't do that. Like, was there something 
too extreme for you to do, or did you basically just take on every challenge that every show gave you? And you can't say appearing on the show because that'd be not nice. Right. No, actually, you're, what you're asking is is absolutely the right thing to ask. Is and it doesn't even have to be dangerous, really. Uh, if you're not capable of doing a stunt, or if I'm not capable of doing a stunt, I have turned it down in the past. I've thanked them nicely for them thinking of me. But if I can't do the stunt, not only am I a danger to myself, I'm a danger to the cast and crew. So a stunt person should be professional and professional enough to turn down a job. But Daredevil, you know, they'll they'll do anything and break every bone in their body and end up in the hospital for over a year. So so I don't like being called a Daredevil. I am a professional athlete. I am a stunt stunt woman and I'm capable of doing the job over and over again until the director gets what they want. Absolutely. Um, and has there been a stunt that you had to do that, um, like, that went wrong, but they still kept it in even though it went wrong? Or did, or have you ever been injured enough to where you've had to stop working for a while? Um. Well, no. I've well, like you said, I've never taken a stunt that uh, that I wasn't able to do. So, no, I've never I've never been injured where I had to, you know, disappear for a while or anything like that. I I like you say I performed stunts uh, throughout my career without. You get your bumps and bruises. It's it's. I compare it much to, like, uh, football players. I mean, you get 20 years of bangs and bruises, and yes, you know, your back starts to hurt or your neck starts to hurt, but, but no, I have never seriously injured myself on the set. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Leslie Hobbins, our guest here. Uh, we uh, we are going to be taking a quick little time out here Uh uh, we're going to do our top-of-the-hour break, and then we will be back uh, to ask you some more questions. Uh, can you stick with us uh, for another segment there, Leslie? Okay. All right. Yay! <laughs> Let's see. Oh, I suppose that's going to play automatically. That's a lovely tune. It is. Is that you? No. I'm just... Uh, I'm a harpsichord. Right. Well, I guess it'll start automatically. So we'll, we'll just kind of uh, kind of fill time until it uh, goes. Well, I have a question for uh, Leslie. All right. Go ahead. Quickly. Yes. Uh, so when you're working on a movie like uh, Airplane or Nightmare on Elm Street or you know like Naked Gun and all those movies like that, do you have any clue why you're working on them that they're going to be such huge cultural phenomenon for the rest of time? Thanks for listening to 89.1. <laughs> and you can answer, answer the listener supported radio, so the programming you hear on our station is funded by our members and these local and area businesses. 
The Joe Irby Law Firm is a proud sponsor of 89.1 Ken's FM. We're located at 403 Center Avenue, Suite 409 in Moorhead, Minnesota. We focus on business startups, business litigation, criminal defense, family matters, and contract writing and review. More information is available by calling 1-866-933-4544 or on the website at joeirbylaw.com. That's J-O-E-I-R-B-Y-L-A-W.com. The Joe Irby Law Firm, where we take sides, yours. You're listening to 89.1 Ken's FM, KNNZFM, Holly, Fargo-Moorhead. Independent public radio for Fargo-Moorhead and the Valley. Also on the web at www.kensfm.com. And we are back with Leslie Hoffman as our guest here. So uh, go ahead, Leslie, if you want to uh, answer that uh, question, go ahead. Uh-oh. Okay, uh, ask ask the question again. Um, yeah, Leslie, uh, I was wondering, when you initially working on movies, big, huge movies like, uh, you know, uh, Airplane and Naked Gun and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, do you have any inkling at the time that they're going to be such huge hits and cultural icons for the rest of time? Um, well, it's hard to say. Um, you know, people will remember Airplane. Um, I was one of the people in the terminal when the nose of the airplane came through the uh, glass window and we all had yeah. to jump out of the way. Um, nice. um, you know, it, it, it all depends on if they like horror, a person likes horror or comedy. You know, comedy would be like Naked Gun, Horrors, Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, but uh, actually, uh, it's the television shows. Uh, I was on Star Trek Deep Space Nine and Star Trek Voyager for for uh, many years, and and that was just, I'm an original Trekkie. I mean, when when I was a teenager, I was watching the original Star Trek, and uh, I actually went to the second convention that was held in New York City wow. uh, to to attend the convention. Little did I know that years later, I actually would be working on Star Trek. That's cool. No, I gotta it ask is. you. It, it 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 it's a dream come true. It's it's interesting because uh, that that was filmed at Paramount, and uh, you know I did Clue at Paramount. I I've done other movies and and shows at Paramount, but that first day that I worked on Star Trek, it was like. It was like starting all over again. I don't know how to describe it. It was like starting all over again. To walk on a studio lot and know that you're walking on to Star Trek, it, it, it was like a, a new beginning. It, it, it was uh, I don't know, unrealistic. I mean, it was, again, you, you just, how, how in the world... A show that only lasted three seasons. Years later, they're making series of Star Trek, 
and and I'm I'm Isaiah, and and I'm working on it. That's awesome. Uh, Leslie Hopkins, our guest here on 89.1 Kids FM, and uh, depending on when our uh, our third guest is available to join us, we well we got plenty of time here. Now I got to ask you this, and I'll understand if you don't want to answer this question, but who is the better captain on who is the better captain on Star Trek? Wow. Oh, who is the better captain? I don't know. That that's really, really a hard question to answer. I mean, I I guess I got to go back to I'm an original Star Trek. I'm a Trekkie, so so I love Captain Kirk. I I've seen the newer Star Trek episodes and. And the newer Captain Pike is is very interesting to watch, but uh, um, well, each each captain has their own strength. Maybe that's the best way to say it. Hey, way to set your phaser to stun on that on that answer. They're very diplomatic. Well, let's, let's let's do this here real quick. Ted uh, Singh, who would you say is the better best captain? Uh, Pierce Brosnan on Remington Steel is the best captain. Well, we're talking about Star Trek. Yeah, I just, my mom and I used to watch Remington Steel all the time, so I really have a soft spot on uh, for Remington Steel. And, and Laura Holt, his uh, trusty assistant, that was really the brains of the operation. All right, Matthias, who's, <laughs> Matthias, who's better captain? I didn't watch Star Trek very much, but I'm more used to Kirk, so I'm going to go Kirk. All right. Well, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm going to have to say uh, Captain Kirk as well. Uh, so I guess uh, Leslie, Kirk. I, I guess Leslie, I guess that means that uh, uh, Mr. Picard was not a very good Boston, was he? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, I had to actually. Um, uh, well, Patrick, Sir Patrick Stewart. I mean, boy, if you count Next Generation and the movies and. Now the newer show, Picard, uh, he's probably been the longest captain that's been on television. You know, and what's interesting is, uh, I don't know if you guys ever saw uh, the TV show Red Green. I don't know if you ever heard of it, but uh, I remember Red Green was uh, commenting to his uh, nephew, Harold. It's like, yeah, like, uh, I really want to be hanging out with you guys. I got... uh, a bunch of guys on a Saturday night uh, debating whether uh, who was a better captain, Kirk or Picard, and then uh, uh, Harold would say, Picard, 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 Picard is. <laughs> we do that on Monday nights, 9 to 11 o'clock. I'm on a bunch of pages on Facebook, and, and you know, it's a movie, a book, uh, uh a television show everyone has their own opinion uh who who is best it it i i think a character is what they're meant to that one individual so so sort of what you're saying is some people will say, oh, I absolutely hate Kirk or I absolutely love Kirk or I don't like Picard or I don't. The one I hear is uh, they don't like uh, Captain Janeway's voice, uh, that she was way too nasally. But 
I like and again, it. people absolutely love uh, Voyager. Well, you know, i got to ask you, uh, and, and I, pr- I promise we're going to get out the Star Trek topic in a sec, because I promised you that we we're not just going to talk about Star Trek. But I, I'm, I, we're going to get off it after I ask you two more questions. First question was, uh, for your role in Star Trek, how, how long were you in, in makeup uh, for Star Trek? Good question. Uh, it depended on the makeup. When I was doubling Torres, that was probably uh, an hour and a half to put that makeup on and about 45 minutes to take it off because they wanted to to save the prosthetics to hopefully use them again. But the longest was when I was a Cardassian, and that probably took well over uh two hours to, to apply that all that makeup because Cardassians I think have I believe it's nine different prosthetics that they have to glue on to your face. Now is that is that in, as in keeping up with their Kardashians? Is that what you mean? Trump pumps. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well See, I, I'll I don't tell you know, what I I guess I guess the other Kardashians come. came first, but uh, <laughs> hey, they, hey, they need some double I'm sure. I well, make uh, a prettier Kardashian than, than yeah, the yeah, other yeah, Kardashians. Yeah, I mean, I, I know there was a joke in there somewhere, but I, I think. Well, hey, big swing is first thing. Thanks, buddy. All right. Anyway, we have Leslie Hoffman, I guess, here. Uh, we're going to go as long as it uh, takes till our, our next guest calls in. Uh, now, one thing I do, uh, I want to cover here real quick, and uh, uh, Matthias, you can join back in this. Uh, you know another horror film that uh, she was a stunt double in? What's that? Scream. Wow. Really? Yeah, Scream 2. One of your favorites. That's um, true. I actually did three different shows for Wes Craven, and he was probably my favorite director. It's it's kind of interesting. A horror director you you don't consider, or, you know, you think someone who does funny shows or things like that would be the nicest uh, director, and actually Wes Craven by far was the nicest director. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, Deadly Friends, and then Scream 2 are the movies uh, that I worked for him. I mean, he was always trying to kill me, but (laughs) 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 he was nice about it. What are you going to do, huh? (laughs) Well, that that wasn't very nice. Uh, You know, I mean, geez, it's like... Uh, so when he, let me ask you this. You, you did two films before you did Scream 2. Uh, let me ask you this. Did, uh, when he called you up and said, hey, can you be in this movie, did you say, okay, so uh, when are you going to kill me this time? Whoops. Uh-oh, okay. Um, um, well, we'll, 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 uh, you well, guys, uh, I mean, you know, he wouldn't, I'd get tired and I'd get on the set and then, well, especially on Scream 2, all of a sudden, 
oh, by the way, you're going to get hit in the head with a beer bottle, and then the these lights are good. I was on a stage, you know, these lights, stage lights are going to fall down, and you got to jump out of the way, and this pillar is going to fall, and you got to jump out of the way, and then you're going to climb up this wall, but the wall is going to break apart and fall on top of you. <laughs> Yikes. Hey, hey, Matthias, you ever been in a beer bottle match? No, I have yet to, uh, I mean, I've been hit with beer bottles before, but I've never uh, done a <laughs> yeah. beer bottle match, I would say. You know, one, one a cool thing, uh, one part of the in I, I want to talk to you about, uh, Leslie, uh, uh, is uh, the fall guy. Now, of course, the fall guy was a, a stuntman. You know, the unknown stuntman who made Eastwood such a star, and you're playing a st- you're playing a stunt woman in a show about a stunt guy. That had to been just phenomenal. What stunt did you have to do in that show? Uh, okay, I'm not I I not sure what you're asking. Uh, well, sorry, you were, uh, I, it isn't coming through what you asked. Oh no, it's okay. You yeah, you play a stunt woman in the series in the TV show The Fall Guy about a stuntman. Do you remember the stunt that you did? Uh, oh, on on Fall Guy. Actually, in that case, they they uh, took a clip from. Um, Wait, now I'm trying to remember which they took a clip. They either took a clip from uh, Avalanche when when the you know the snow breaks through the tempered glass window and and uh, comes into the room, or or they it just doesn't seem quite right. They either took the clip from Airplane. I forget I forget which clip they took, but. But if you take a clip from a movie you've been in and you put it in a different television show, uh, they have to pay you as if you sure. you worked the the job on the show, um, you know, for real. For sure. You I have a question for you. Let you me. just can't take clips from other shows sure. and, and and put it into a different show. You got to get paid. So I'm wondering, I love the movie 1941 that was directed by Steven Spielberg. Is, are there any memories from that movie that you can share with the listeners? Um, 1941, actually, that's probably one of the scariest stunts I did. Uh, and it it wasn't due to necessarily the stunt. It was that it was mechanical error. They put the gas line in between the strut and the seat that the stuntman was sitting on, I was sitting on top of the uh, sidecar. And every time we went up this loading dock and, and we were supposed to jump into the back of a egg truck, uh, we'd run out of gas. And then finally, um, <laughs> he... He tried to to take the jump anyways, and we ran out of gas like in midair, and oh the uh, sidecar hit the back of the truck, turned upside down. Now, they had the ground padded 
for the stuntman, but as for me, I just slid on. I was lucky. I slid onto the truck. Had we hit any lower, I would have been decapitated. Again, it isn't that I wasn't capable of doing the stunt. It's it. Uh, you know, you, you never know when there's going to be a mechanical error. So sure. we had to come back the next day, and luckily uh, they realized what they had done with the gas line. So, you know, they they changed the gas line underneath uh, the struts, whatever you want to call it, and... And, I mean, we only had to film it once the next day. I mean, you know, we had gas. We powered down the uh, uh, loading dock, went up the uh, ramp, and jumped right back right into the egg truck. And, I mean, that's that's the way it should have really happened the first night. But, but like you say, you, you, you never know when there's going to be a mechanical error. Uh, Leslie Hobbins, our guest here on 89.1 Kens FM, and we're uh, doing overtime. We're just waiting for our uh, third guest to call, uh, call in, and uh, I know that uh, we're going past your time, Leslie, and we do appreciate it, but there's just so many more questions that we have to ask that, that we'd like to ask you. Now, I, I know you kind of covered it before about when you said that, you know, the, the different stunts, you're like, well, you know, if you're going to hurt, if you're going to get hurt, you're going to be a danger to yourself. But let me ask you this. Have you ever been asked uh, to do a stunt and you, like, looked at it and said, okay, I can do that stunt because I'll probably uh, I'll probably uh, uh, stub my toe. Uh, if I do that stunt, uh, I'll probably end up in a hospital. Uh, if I do that stunt, I'll have a broken back. If I do that one, I'll have a broken whatever. Uh, do you ever size up your stunts that way or do you just go for it? Well, um, okay, I I, I sort of know what you're asking. Um, I got to admit there was a show that uh, originally the stunt was, it was called Stewardess School, and originally I just was supposed to jump out of the plane into this. They're training. They're training people to be stewards and stewardesses. So there's a swimming pool below the airplane. It's you know it's on the tarmac. Uh, originally, like I say, I was just supposed to jump out of the plane. Unbeknownst to me, the stunt coordinator, who didn't want me on the show because I was requested by the actress, I wasn't hired. By the stuntman, you know, the stuntman wanted to use his group, not, not me. But he was forced to use me because the actress demanded that I double her. So, okay, back to unbeknownst to me, that weekend before the stunt, he took his crew, and there's a thing called an air ram that that you know when you get on it, it it projects you into the air. You know, you go up higher. Well, again, he trained his people to do it. He didn't. He didn't train me. Uh, the day that we're shooting the stunt, I mean, I'm wearing high heels. We're in the entryway or the exit way of an airplane, and the director comes up to me and he wants me to get on the air ram, and and you know 
get thrown up into the air, and I absolutely refused. I mean, that's that's the other thing is that, uh, I mean, people aren't very happy, I guess, but I absolutely refused because, number one, wearing high heels on an air ram, uh, <laughs> you could break your ankles. Number two, not knowing how to use an air ram, it could have sent me straight up into the, you know, top of the doorway of, of the airplane. So Yikes. I I just told the director, no, I'm not going to do it. I'll, I'm more than willing to jump out of the plane, but I'm but I am not going to use the air ram. If I had a nickel for any time I said that in my career, <laughs> I'd have zero nickels. <laughs> I'm so excited. You got to live yeah. a, a now, life you, with a career you, that's you so that a lot out of people I mean, even when there's a stunt coordinator on the set, you gotta you gotta look at how a stunt is being set up, and and you gotta speak up for yourself. There, there, there has been many injuries, as you say, where someone says, "Okay, I'm just gonna go for it." I mean, again, if 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 you don't know how to do it, you just don't go for it. I mean, that that's the way people get killed or or injured or permanently injured. I mean, you got to you got to learn to say no. No life is worth a piece of film. You know, with with that being said, you know, with all the different TV shows and stuff you've been on, uh, I don't know if this is a thing or not, and uh, you can let me know if it is or not. But, uh, you know, I know that sometimes when uh, they uh, show, like, uh, a TV show on reruns, uh, you know, actors and actresses and stunt people still get, like, residuals when they reshow those episodes. So do you ever get – you still get those checks every once in a while that says, uh, hey, uh, the episode of Fall Guy aired last week, here's 25 cents. <laughs> yes, no, my, believe it or not, I got a, re, the gross amount, I got a residual, the gross amount was three cents, and the federal government took one cent, the state took one cent, and I got a net worth check for one penny, one penny. Wow. So did, did you frame I mean, it and put it up it, on it your wall, or more, did you... For the studio to have an accountant to to go through the records, then they send wow. it over to the Screen Actors Guild, wow. and they have to enter it right. in the computer. And then Pension and Health has to be aware of of the residual. And then they put it in an envelope and put a stamp <laughs> on it, and they mail it to you. I'd rather I'd rather have wow. the money that it costs the all the accountants. <laughs> The, For sure. The price of a stamp, then a one cent residual. <laughs> oh, ridiculous. Well, you know, I'm glad your hard work is paying off finally, though. Well, you know, think about this. Time. Yeah, think about this. Uh, you know, if they, uh, you know how when they stamp, uh, stamp a letter and they cancel a stamp, you know, if they didn't cancel a stamp all the way, you could have cut it off the letter, put it in hot water and reuse the stamp, and then you would have been ahead. Uh, what is it? What does it cost to send a letter nowadays? Forty cents or whatever it is. That's why we get paid in Chuck E. Cheese tokens here. Yeah, so you actually made more than we did uh, uh, on one check. 
We're jealous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Leslie Hobbs is our guest here on 89.1 Kent FM, and uh, I know I know it's a, I know it's a ways away, but uh, let's see where are we at. Let's see, we're in uh, September 18th, right? Uh, we want to wish you an early happy birthday. Uh, your birthday is five months from today, and we want to wish you an early happy birthday. Happy birthday. Well. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for an early happy birthday. Yes, I, hey, I'm, I won't say the year, but I'm January 21st. I'm Aquarius. Uh, so am I. I'm on the cusp, so there's a little bit of Capricorn in me, but, but I identify with Aquarius. <laughs> well, yeah, my, my birthday is actually January 27th, so. Uh, maybe we can get you to call back on uh, my birthday. We can wish you, we can sing each other a happy birthday. Uh, Leslie Hoppins, our guest here on 89.1 Kids FM, and uh, uh, we'll, ju- we'll just keep going. I don't know if our guest is going to go. We won't uh, keep you too much longer. I guess uh, the uh, rest of the show, uh, the fans will have to listen to uh, the three of us rave, but or whatever we're going to do. Uh, so a-, a couple other questions I'm going to ask you, Leslie. Now, when you uh, – with all the different TV shows that you've been on, and uh, like for instance, uh, you were, uh, you guys, I don't know if you knew this now, but she was in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Cool. Now, I'm kind of curious when, uh, and they play that on TV every Christmas at least five or six times. Do you ever like turn it on and like, uh, okay, uh, and then you have like people in your living room, hey guys, okay, uh, here comes my son, I, okay, I'm yeah. right there, that's me, that's me, there I am, right there. Do you ever do that? Wait a minute. Uh oh. Again, I'm not sure what the. Uh, I don't. Know. I mean, uh, all I can say again, uh, this was one of the shows. One of the the best things that can happen to a person is when an, an actor or an actress asks you or asks the director, producer, the stunt coordinator, who their stunt double is. And in this case, Doris Roberts, who I used to double on Remington Steel, uh, requested me on on Christmas vacation. So I'm I'm really grateful, you know, that, that she asked me to be there. You know, one thing I do want to ask you about, and I'll understand if you if you can't comment on it, but I will ask you. You know, there there is a there is a strike going on with the uh, with the Screen Actors Guild. Are you able to uh, talk about that or comment on that or not? Uh, well, like I say, I'm I'm I've been retired since 2002. Uh, Again, I'm not quite sure what you're asking. I, I feel I can answer it because I'm not on the negotiating team or anything like that. You have two strikes going on right now. You have the Writers Guild of America and you have the Screen Actors Guild, or or it's merged now. It's the SAG, uh, Screen Actors Guild, and the American Federation of Television Radio Artists. Uh, SAG-AFTRA is what the new union is called. And they're very much afraid of, I mean, this has been around for years. 
they're they're very much afraid of i uh ai or or i call it cgi is that you know they they don't want to become computerized except that i mean they've been computerizing people for for years but but it it finally is coming to the point where where they're probably well they used to be called extras now they're called background performers i mean it's it's coming to a point that all those people are going to lose work because they'll just uh computer generate a background crowd um as for stunts um the it definitely is going to be safe a lot safer to have uh a computer do a stunt they <laughs> they can't mess up a stunt if if it's a computer generated person doing it <laughs> and then i think that the, I think I the guess finally, really well. the actors are suddenly realizing they're going to bring John Wayne back to life, Fred Astaire back to life. I mean, uh, or or they're going to create their own actors. You know, what what I guess people want to see or how an actor or an actress will look like. It can just be computer generated, and and that's finally what has the Screen Actors Guild so upset about. Um, I think with the Writers Guild, um, the writers are afraid that uh, they're just going to somehow type in an idea into a computer and the computer's just going to write a script. In all reality, I think, I forget, I think there's only five, real plots in the world. I mean, um, you you can change the storyline, but the main plot is still the main plot. I mean, how many Romeo and Juliet type movies are there, if you really think about it? Right. right. And, no, I think... and uh, well, like I say, it... it there just isn't there just isn't a new idea anymore. But but I still stand behind the Writers Guild. I mean, everybody has to make a living, and and I I wish the best for the WGA. I wish the best for SAG. Uh, well, after SAG after, um, I wish the best, but I really have no idea what's going to come become of this strike. I mean, the Writers Guild's gone on longer than the Screen Actors Guild strike, but I mean, it's it's who's going to outlast who and I'll just say unfortunately, I think producers have more money than than the various members of the Writers Guild and the Screen Actors Guild. I mean, they're losing their health plan. They're they're, they're losing their apartments. Uh, it's it's again. I have no idea what the outcome is going to be, but uh, I can only hope the best for the two unions. 
Well, you know, uh, you mentioned the whole CGI thing. You guys, one of the most, uh, um, let's say one of the best examples of a CGI was in the movie Rogue One. Okay, now Rogue One, of course, takes place after, or uh, takes place just before A New Hope. All right, and in the movie they had Princess Leia back and they had uh, Tarkin back. Uh, who was, of course, played by Peter Cushing. Now, Peter Cushing, he passed away in 1994. And Rogue One, the movie, was uh, was done in 2016. And in that movie, Peter Cushing reappeared as Tarkin, even though he passed uh, uh, 12 years before that. So I was going to ask you guys, and then, because uh, we got Leslie's take on it, what do you guys think of CGI and then bringing people back that are no longer with us? Another thing they're able to do with computers is they can take an, uh, a computer or, or an actor that that that's very old now and and they can age them down. I mean, I think that happened with Harrison Ford with Indiana Jones, didn't they? I haven't seen the movie, but didn't they? Yeah. Didn't they yeah. somehow yeah. age him down? You know, they film they filmed Harrison Ford, but but then they're able to to you know, like I say, overlay the computer on him, and suddenly he's a young Harrison Ford. Yeah, a lot of fans were uh, a lot of fans were uh, upset about that because of that. Yeah. Now, what, another movie I was going to ask you about, I believe it, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I do believe it was uh, uh, the first movie that you ever were uh, did a stunt over. It was a great sports movie called Two Minute Warning uh, you, uh, that had Charlton Heston. Well, let me ask you this. As a, as a stunt woman on one of these uh, films, and uh, like the star in this case is Charlton Heston, do you actually get to meet the actors and actresses uh, at being a stunt, or do you just have to go on set, do your thing, then they uh, they usher you off? Uh, okay, again, I'm not completely sure what you just asked, but I made a rule early on in my career that I would never go up to an actor and 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 start a conversation because you don't know you don't know if they. Um, uh, I'll say have an ego or, or they just, if, if you're the stunt double, they may not want, I know of a stunt man that there was the actor who saw the stunt man dressed completely like him and the actor left the set. He went to his dressing room because he didn't want anyone to see like you say, that there was a stunt double for him. Uh, so, like you say, early on in my career, or right at the beginning of the career, where my attitude is where members of the Screen Actors Guild were both there that day uh, to be on the set. Uh, if an actor comes up to me and talks to me, I'm, I'm more than willing to talk to them, but I just 
do not go up to just any actor and and start a conversation. Uh, it was kind of interesting on the television show MASH. Uh, I was eating lunch by myself, and I heard a voice behind me say, "Can I join you for lunch?" And without turning around, I said yes. And when I turned around, it was Harry Morgan. Harry Morgan. It was Captain wow. Potter. The mash, yeah. But, wow. But he awesome. asked awesome. me first. Yeah. And we actually wow. had a very nice lunch. I mean, you know, I we didn't talk oh. about acting. We talked we talked about anything. Anything and everything. It didn't have to deal with the scroop, it didn't have to deal with acting. It was two human beings having lunch together. He seems like a really nice nice guy. Yeah, he was really nice. Uh, another funny story is with wigs is actually Pierce Brosnan, Rabbit Remington Steele. He's a really nice guy. I didn't realize that his calls were, I got to get this right, um, my calls were earlier than his calls. I'm a brunette. Doris Roberts is a blonde. So anytime Pierce saw me, I already was in a blonde wig. I was already dressed up like Doris Roberts. Well, one day, um, Pierce had a call earlier than mine. And I walk <laughs> onto the set. Who and I this? see Pierce, and I say, hi, hi, Pierce. And he looks at me, and he just gives me this really weird look. I don't want I really don't want to say ugly look, but it's like, you know, who are you kind <laughs> yeah. of look. And, sure. uh, and I just, you know, I kind of shrugged it off. You know, maybe he's having a bad day or something. I, you know, I, uh, I didn't say anything more. I get into my costume. I get the wig on. Pierce comes up to me later, and he goes, Leslie, I am so sorry. I thought you were blonde. That's, that's so, so he recognized my face later. But he didn't recognize me being a brunette. Right. That's <laughs> and, funny. And think about this: if that wouldn't have happened, he never would have became. He never would have became James Bond because he learned some things from you. He owes you. He owes you a lot because <laughs> he became James Bond because of you. Now remember, he had to put off the role and become James Bond because of Remington Steele because he knew that he was going to get to work with you on set. That's why he decided to put off doing James Bond for a while because he wanted to work with you. Um, well, it was really sad about James Bond. He should have been James Bond a lot earlier, but the producers right. of Remington Steele would not release him to do a wow. James Bond movie. And I think that's kind of silly because, if anything, I mean, if they were concerned that people would mix up Remington Steele with James Bond, I look at it that if he had been allowed to do James Bond while he was still doing Remington Steele, I think, he, I think there would have been more audiences watching 
the Remington Steele show. Oh, you sure. know, if he had been allowed to do the James Bond I movie, but like you say, they they would not they would not release him from the contract to do the movie. And think about this: that would not happen today. They would uh, an actor would not uh, let a, a TV show depict what he's going to do because you see actors nowadays like. Tim Allen's a perfect example right there. He did seven movies when he was doing Home Improvement. Wow. And because uh, Home Improvement was owned by Disney, and he did a lot of Disney films. Uh, so there's no way that an actor nowadays would uh, allow a, a, a TV show to say, no, you can't go do that movie. It's like, you know, you guys aren't paying me uh, to tell me what I'm going to do. Would you, would you agree, uh, Leslie? Well... Again, that's not true, is that a contract is a contract, and if a contract is signed and the contract says this actor can only be on this show and can't do a movie, then that's it. They can't do a movie. Hopefully they have a business manager or an agent that's smart enough that says if there's a movie during hiatus or something like that, uh, you will allow my actor to be released to do the movie. I mean, hopefully, hopefully people are getting smarter, and and as long as it's in the contract, uh, you can do it. But if it isn't in the contract, you you could end up getting sued if you if you technically break the contract. Let's say. Like you say, if you're signed to do a television show and all of a sudden you do a movie and the contract says you can't do a movie, you could get sued and you're going to lose in court. That's awesome. Uh, Leslie Hoffman's our guest here. We have, uh, well, we have about uh, uh, four minutes. We, I know we've kept you way longer than we promised. There's one last thing I was going to ask you. you. And we do we do appreciate it, and I know Matthias loves you as well. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, he knows that uh, you're a stunt gal, but he still would like to uh, become your bodyguard, and uh, he, he he can stop a bullet once. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. Uh, there is one last thing I do want to ask you, Leslie. On imbd.com, there's a picture of you, and you're wearing a black leather jacket. And uh, I'm just kind of curious, where was that? Uh, was that like your profile picture, uh, or was that like your... Uh, your um, I gotta see this. Uh, I I don't know what what, what am I trying to say here, uh, Ped Thing. Uh, your your wardrobe. Well, no, yeah. Uh, your your the picture that you uh, send out to directors. Then, back when I was a stunt woman, well, stunt people don't have agents really. Um, you stunt people have to go out and get their own job, so. So we have headshots done, we have resumes of the shows we've been in, and that just happens to be what my favorite headshot that I have. That doesn't that that leather jacket picture doesn't belong to anything. That's that's just me uh dropping off a picture to to a stunt director, director, producer, hoping hoping that they might hire me for a job. Well, I will say this: If I saw that picture, I'd uh, I'd have you on every one of my projects. It's too bad I don't have any. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Leslie. You have one more quick question for me. Go ahead. So I just saw now that you were actually uh, worked on the movie Blowout with John Travolta. 
that's really amazing. Or uh, De Palma, directed by Brian De Palma. That's amazing. Do you have any memories from that you could share real quickly? Uh, <laughs> you keep picking all these movies that had these disasters happen. Oh, I'm um, sorry. I was in a There's scene a reason for that. where I was part of a crowd, and this car comes barreling into the crowd. They took yes. they took the film, the rolls of film from that day to be developed, and wherever they parked this truck to drop off the film, some person broke into the truck and stole the film. So. Wow. So my stunt never made it into the movie. Then. Oh. Who knows where that film is? It's I mean, you know, it was the negative, so if they opened up the canister, it probably ruined oh, the film right. anyways. But, I mean, thousands of dollars were lost because wow. because the film was stolen. That's terrible. I'm sorry about that. Very interesting story, though. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Well, I you know, it was fun watching the parade, and it was out of town location. So, so that's another thing is uh, doing stunts. Sometimes you get to go on location. Some locations aren't so great. Some of them are are really nice. Um, just kind of quickly sidetracking here is that. Uh, I have done horror conventions and sci-fi conventions, and one of the conventions was in London. So I got a free trip to London. You know, they paid for the room. They they um, had me, you know, they paid for the airfare. They paid for the room. They gave money towards uh, uh, what's called a per diem, towards food. And I got, got a free to trip to London just to that's, sign that's autographs. Amazing. I'm jealous. And uh, for those of you who listen to our <laughs> show from time to time, if you go to our Facebook page, Attitude Era, Monday Live Monday, like that. Go to 89.1 Kansas FM page, like that. We'll get you automatically call up and do a $10 month donation to Power of the Tower. We'll get you automatically call up to win an autograph picture from past guests, current guests, or future guests. And, uh, um, uh, anybody that uh, does that will uh, be qualified. But I'll tell you what, Leslie, real quick here. If our fans want to check you out and see if you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok, uh, I'm never going to talk to Icon again. What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I, um, like I say, anyone who wants to see a lot of my stunts can go to YouTube and and look up Leslie Hoffman, and and you'll see stunts from Star Trek and Remington Steel and other shows that I've been in. Cool, awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, Leslie. I know we we we've kept you way past the time we said we do appreciate uh, you uh, doing two segments with us. You have been awesome, and uh, hopefully you want to come back again. I understand if you don't, but uh, we love you and we appreciate everything you do, and we thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. It was in. I really enjoyed talking to you. <laughs> You're fun. Thanks, Leslie. Have a good night. Appreciate it. Good night. Thank you. Bye.
All right, Leslie um, Hoffman, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, that was a, that was fun, guys. I like her a lot. I do too. Uh, and uh, like I say, I, her her profile picture on IMDb is just beautiful, rocking. Yeah, exactly. I mean, no, I don't think any guest we've ever had can uh, uh, rock a leather jacket like uh, Leslie Hoffman can. It, it's just an awesome picture. And uh, wow, maybe, uh, maybe Joe Rosing. Maybe, maybe. Are you going to buy that jacket from him? Uh, uh, well, um, you you might see it uh, before oh. too long, but uh, we'll we'll talk about that a little later. Uh, so we we got a few uh, minutes here, guys, uh, before uh, uh, before our show ends. What? Yeah. Got to end? Well, I, unfortunately, it does. There's an all night telethon here. It should be. Uh, so uh, I didn't get to my trick roping yet. Yeah. So Matthias, uh, uh, what do you got going on this weekend? Fill us in. Um, next, this upcoming weekend on the 23rd, I'll be in Wisconsin where I take on uh, Devlin Kane for the APW World Heavyweight Championship. And then for the next uh, five or six weeks out uh, in there, I'll be all over the states from Wisconsin to North Dakota to Minnesota to Montana to South Dakota. So I'll be all over the place. And uh, we can talk about this later or we can talk about it now because we we got to fill time here. And you, you have to be... You know, you know about the language rule here, but uh, you know you were injured in the ring, obviously, right? Yep. And uh, you know who uh, we, you know who caused the injury. I'm, you're probably not going to mention him here, but uh, now is one of your goals. Now I want you to be honest with me. Is one of your goals to get back at 120 percent so you can have another match with this individual, or are you just going to let it go? Well, you know, um, grudge match. I. Would love to, you know, um, do some horrible, violent things to that individual. Uh, Matthias likes to hold grudges, whereas I care to not because here's the thing. If you get in that ring uh, with tendencies to hurt somebody, well, they could turn around around and do the exact same thing to you back. Uh, it is not. It is clear to me that he did this on purpose due to... Wow politicking in the business it has been proven through video uh that he did this on purpose to me where uh my career almost ended uh people can go around and say that it was completely on accident i am to believe that that is not the case because i know of the promotion that i got injured in and i know the aspects of it because i've been a part of that indus uh that promotion for the past 10 years ever since my career started so I know that the um, there's a lot of politicking. So do you think the promoter was involved too? No, I don't think the well the promoter did cause the anger uh, that engulfed within the individual that caused me to get injured. Um, but this uh, but it has not really been settled yet. Um, I do not talk to the individual uh, anymore. According to the people that I wrestled with, he has been removed from the promotion uh, after the incident. Uh, he will no longer be allowed to come back, from what I've heard. Um, you know, anything could happen. He's been rebooked before. So as of right now, I do wish, I do not wish the same trouble to him, uh, because I know he has a passion for the wrestling industry, such as myself. But of course, you know, I'd love to get back in there, and I'd love to make him feel the same pain he made me feel. Uh, but I do not wish the same pain onto him and the same problems, because again. Uh, I respect him as a competitor, but I do not respect him in cause of the incident. Well, let me ask this. How would you compare it to uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Owen Hart? 
Um, you know, it's about, I mean, it's close to it. Um, there, I've never really had any real uh, intentional heat with anybody in the professional wrestling industry. I mean, there are some people that I definitely have disagreed with. Uh, but I've never pulled a CM Punk or a uh, Jungle Boy, Jack Perry. I've never gone to an actual physical confrontation uh, with somebody in the back or because of politicking. Uh, if you want to settle an issue with me, we'll do it in the middle of the ring. Uh, and if we want to stiff each other up and we want to, you know, beat the H-E double hockey sticks out of each other, we'll do that. Um, we'll spill each other's blood, but once you get to that back, it's all about respect. Uh, that's what professional wrestling is. It's all about the respect. You have to protect the person you are in the ring with because one wrong incident, and that's death. Um, I have experienced where my neck has been almost broken. I have suffered several severe concussions. Uh, both of my knees no longer work 100%, and I don't think they ever will, according to the doctor. Uh, they will not go back to 100% normality where I can run and, and jog and stuff like that unless I do surgery. But, again, that is another topic for later. Um, but this wrestling industry has definitely broken me. Uh, it has broken me in many different ways. But if I could go back and start it all over again, uh, you bet I would in a heartbeat. And, again, with the whole individual with this injury, um, if we ever had sat down and had a face-to-face -face conversation, I'd be willing to do that. But... I would just like for him to willingly admit that he did it on purpose. Because if he wants to hide that he didn't, um, I already know it was said on purpose due to a bunch of rumors and a bunch of stuff that happened backstage, uh, which was not involved with me. I was uh, before I got to the show. So I would just, if I could, I'd like to hear the person admit that they did it on purpose, that they just didn't care. Um, but if they want to keep playing off the story that, they didn't do it, it wasn't on purpose, this, yada, yada, and they want to keep coming up with stories and then go right ahead. But the one thing that absolutely enraged me uh, after the fact was this man claimed that I dropped him on his head and I broke his nose uh, and I gave him a concussion, which is completely false because if I were to show everyone here the video footage of what happened, the second my kneecap went to the other side of the world compared to where it's supposed to be, I tucked his body. Uh, which means when I was picking up for the body slam and I knew he was going downhill and he was going to hit his neck, I grabbed his head, I pulled him in towards me, and I tilted his body, so I did give him a body slam. It's just I was going down with him. So that was the one thing that really upset me about the situation, which automatically linked me into thinking he did it on purpose, trying to get me blackballed, trying to get me in trouble. Uh, but, again, if he could just tell me straight up, I would appreciate it. But if not, I guess we'll keep going on, and if we ever get in the ring again, I'll give him a few uh, receipts. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll tell you. Uh, you know, it is it is a written rule in the uh, in you know I I followed the as a matter of fact I was in Rutherford, New Jersey. Uh, I was at that event, SummerSlam '97, Harden. So I saw the pile driver, and it was devastating. Uh, you know, they they've talked about it. it's been talked about it for years, and of course, Stone Cold Steve Austin's career was never really the same. No. I mean, he did uh, he did uh, reach astronomical heights in his career, but after the injury, he still his neck never was the same. No. But the point I'm trying to make is 
that if you injure somebody, like, for instance, uh, D'Lo and Darren Drozdov, okay? Now, D'Lo called Darren Drozdov every single day. Oh, man, I'm sorry this happened. I mean, it shouldn't happen. I don't know what happened. I don't know what went wrong. Absolutely. And uh, apparently this guy's not, and I don't know if he's trying to reach out to you. I don't know, I don't know if you want him to uh, apologize or whatever, like you were just talking about, or if you take his calls just for him to say I'm sorry. I don't know if you want to do that. Uh, I think that you, uh, from what I know of you, I've, I've known you for years now, and I know that you are the better man, and, you, and I'm not just saying that because you're my buddy, but I know that you're the uh, better man, and if you would... Uh, if he would reach out for an apology. See, I know that you would uh, at least take the call and let him tell you that, but it doesn't sound like this guy's even going to do that. No, unfortunately not. Um, it's almost the same similar with Brock Lesnar and Bob Hawley. When Bob Hawley, quote-unquote, sandbagged Brock Lesnar, Brock Lesnar got mad and threw him on it, gave him a powerbomb, a shoot powerbomb, and he landed on his neck breaking it. Uh, Lesnar called him every day in hospital and was making sure he was okay. Um, but again, as Bob Hawley said, I did not do this on purpose. I don't know what happened, um, and why the the heck would I sandbag Brock Lesnar? He's uh, he's the biggest guy out there. He could fold me up into a knot in seconds. He can make me a bowl. He could fold me up every which way, and I couldn't do anything about it. So again, if he were to have reached out and said, "Dude, I apologize for what happened," even when I was even when we were downstairs in the locker room afterwards, uh, he seemed to be perturbed. He didn't seem to be too perturbed by it. I mean, he asked me a couple of times how my knee was doing, but as you could see, uh, it was uh, three times the size as it was because all the fluids swelling up and stuff like that. I couldn't walk. I couldn't anything. And then I tried to compete the next night, which, of course, ended absolutely poorly. And I've been out of, co- I've been out of competition for about six months because of it. So if you were to ever come up and say, hey, man, I just want to let you know I did this on purpose, I was very upset with what was going on, um, I would never understand why because even if I was upset, like I've been upset about bookings before. I've been upset with the way managers and promotions have ran things. Um, I've been very upset by things. But you know what? When you're wrestling, you put your big boy panties on, you go out there, you do your job, and you leave. You get your money. You go out there, you entertain the fans, you do what you need to do, and then you leave. You can leave your complaining and B-wording at the door, and you go out there. Once you hit that curtain, you don't, you don't do anything to hurt somebody else or possibly tarnish their career. If you want to do stuff online, go ahead, but you don't do it out there physically because that not only will possibly blackball your career if people find out you did it on purpose and they start telling people, but the person that gets injured – that's a career-ending injury, and their money's gone, and their living is gone, and their everything is gone. And if it's severe enough, like with my knee, I don't get to walk again, 100% normal. And if I have to get surgery because of it, then my wrestling career's done. And that was 10 years of love, but I could have went another 15 if I wanted to. Right. It's just it's upsetting, and it's been eating away at me ever since. the. Like I said, I haven't been in my proper mind since the injury. Uh, I've been very negative on myself. I've been very afraid of re-injuring it severely enough to the point where I would have to possibly lose my leg or I'd have to, you know, get a new kneecap. And by that time, I'd never be able to walk again. And it's just the fear is always there, but the determination is still there inside. Well, I'll tell you what, we will continue. 
Get this next week. Uh, so, hey, remember, uh, be listening to us every Monday night, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Central Standard Time. The past will be back next week. Uh, Ped Singh will be back next Sing week. Out. Yeah, we love you guys. Uh, and remember, it's not goodbye. It's just good night. Good night. We will see you all next week. Take care and oh. be safe out there. We love you. You think you know me? Fingers to get in between Down